Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you right now that this morning is going to be about generosity and about giving. And uh, amen. <laughs> amen, brother. I like that. And um, if that scares you, then you need it the most. Mm, isn't that true? The things that we don't want to listen to, the, thing, the parts of God's word that scare us away are the very parts we need to embrace the most in our hearts. And it's not, as with anything in the spirit, those things that initially we might recoil at, that we must embrace, they are actually for our good. And they actually make us better in the end. And so I would just ask you to open your heart. What we're going to do this morning, I'm going to share with you from the word of God. And then we're going to have a, a special, this special offering. I've asked the worship team to stay for two reasons. Number one, I'm not going to take a long time. But number two, this offering is going to be a part of our worship. It's not some separate thing. This is not just giving donations like you would to the animal shelter or something. This is an act of worship unto the Lord. And we're going to bring these gifts. And I believe that we're going to see not only great breakthrough for Nations Church, but you're going to see it in your own life as well. I, was, I haven't got his permission. There's a, a gentleman here this morning that shared this with me. I won't say his name because I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. But he, I think it was last week, he came to me and handed me a check for $1,000. He said the Lord told him to give it towards this offering. And he said, this is, you know, this is a tough time for us right now. I can't really afford to do this, but the Lord said, do it. So I'm being obedient. He came to me a couple of nights ago at the party that we had for the, the dream team. You know, we had this celebration for all the volunteers. He came up to me and he said, since I gave that gift, I've had $100,000 of new contracts that have come in. 100,000 in a, in a week's time. R Russ, can I, can I impose on you? Because Russ told me something in the green room. Can you just tell me, tell, tell the congregation what you told me back there? Because it's so incredible what God is doing in the area of generosity and giving. Sorry, I put, put I'm totally putting me on the spot. spot. Yeah. So uh, as we've been asking the congregation to pray about what seed they're going to bring in this offering, I, I talked to my wife and I told her how much we would give. And, it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a stretch for us to give that, but we agreed this is what we're going to give. Within two days, we've got, uh, we got a check in the mail. This has never happened to us before. And the check we got in the mail was for more than we're giving today. But not only that, it was from 18 years ago. It was a, re it was a refund from my oldest son's birth. He's 18 years old. Like, how does that happen? So never experienced anything like that. Then the next day, we got another refund, significant amount of money for something we're not even exactly sure what it is. The very next day. On the third day, and let me give you some background on this. My wife and I went to Israel. She bought this beautiful ring. It's called a um, Israel stone, Roman stone. And you can't find it anywhere in the world. We've tried. Uh, she was there and we've, we lost, she lost that ring when we were playing softball about a year and a half ago. It's a valuable ring. She loves it. It's the most favorite thing in the world. We've been back to that softball field, Daniel, at least five times looking around over the last year and a half for that ring. Never found the ring. I ended up buying her another ring but she was still so upset about losing that ring. Well, we were at the softball game on Thursday for the church, and we're just outside the dugout. She looks down, and what is staring right at her? That ring in perfect condition. Hallelujah! She was in tears. Three days in a row, well over the seed that I'm sowing. So now we're gonna sow even more in Come Jesus' on. name. That's awesome. 
and you know, I, I was, we, we were just talking about this in the green room and I, I was saying to Russ, you know, I think sometimes, especially those of us that have been around church and offerings a lot, we kind of forget like this thing really works. This is not just some gimmick. This is not just some, you know, some technique to get money. The Bible actually says, the Lord actually says, not just the Bible, it's not just somebody saying it in the Bible. God himself says to the prophet Malachi, test me in this and see if I won't prove myself to you. I will pour out a blessing on you that you will not be able to contain. How many of you know if God says test me, you know it's serious. And so you know, I, I actually, I'm going to say this right up front. You know, um, Daniela, we were talking before, again, in the green room, and, and they have just, you guys acquired new land or something right there in downtown, right? Yeah. So their church in Buenos Aires is right in the middle of downtown. And I mean, like I said, there's lines around the block every week. It's amazing. When you drive past it, you would never know there's even a church there because it's right in the middle of everything. And God has blessed them with a, a very large space and they need to, they need to build that out, Right. Okay, to so double the size of the auditorium to expand to the next phase. This is one of the most significant churches in South America. And interestingly enough, you know, recently the, the Argentinian economy basically collapsed. And, the, you know, their, their currency went to almost nothing. 400 to 1. 400 to 1. So, like, to buy a cheeseburger, you need a wheelbarrow of cash. You know, something like that. And so... Can you imagine trying to raise money for a project like that in the midst of an economy that's tanked like that? And so I felt like she was talking, I just felt like the Lord put a number in my heart. And here's what I would like for us to do as a congregation. We're gonna do this from the church itself. We're gonna give $50,000 toward that. And, and I'm praying that the Lord would help us to even give more. And so see, nations, Christ for all nations, we tithe, we give, do you know why? Because we believe in it. We, we know that it works. It doesn't just work for you. It works for us. It works for all of us the same. And by the way, those of us that are on staff, we are also givers. Why? Because we know that it works. My dream is that we will be able to shift from, from you know, giving 10% and living on the 90 to giving 90% and living on the 10. Wouldn't that be amazing? And I, I pray that same kind of blessing for all of you. And so if you have your Bibles, I want for us just to open to the book of Exodus chapter 35. I've all, already used most of my time, so I'm going to have to blaze through this like a dove out of heaven. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Some of you get it. Exodus chapter 35. This is the story in the, in the Old Testament of one of the greatest offerings ever taken. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, say from what you have. Take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, fine linen, goat hair, ram skins, dyed red, and another type of durable letter, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones, and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything that the Lord has commanded. Again, this was the story of the building of the tabernacle. The children of Israel had just been freed from Egypt. They've come out of slavery. They've gone out into the wilderness. And one of the very first things that the Lord does, this is way at the beginning of the book of Exodus. He tells them, I want you to build a place for my presence to dwell in your midst. 
But of course, when God wants to do something, how many of you know there's only going to be one time that God sends a building down out of heaven? That's when the new Jerusalem comes down. Other than that, God uses us. And guess what? God doesn't use us because he needs us. God uses us because when we participate in God's initiatives, then our lives are also blessed. Isn't that true? And so the Lord sends the children of Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness and tells Moses, I want you to command the Israelite community to bring from what they have and give to the Lord. Look at it again, verse 5 in chapter 35. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Now, let me ask you a question, and this might be something you've never thought about before. Where did a bunch of slaves who had just recently been set free from captivity, who, by the way, had been slaves in the land of Egypt for 400 years. This means that their parents were slaves, their grandparents were slaves, their great-grandparents were slaves. This means there were no inheritances. This means there was no estates. This means that there was no bank accounts loaded with money. Where did these slaves get the ability to bring the kind of offering that would build one of the most valuable structures the world had ever seen? Well, I'll show you. Look at Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12 in verse 35. This is now the story of the children of Israel when they were set free from Egypt. Look what happens. Verse 35, the Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people. Listen to this. And they gave what they asked for so that they plundered the Egyptians. Come on, say they plundered the Egyptians. They walked out of Egypt, not only liberated, not only free, but loaded, 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 loaded with wealth and with resources and with blessings. I think some people picture the children of Israel hop and skipping and jumping out of Egypt. Can I, out of, yeah, out of Egypt, can I tell you they were hunched over like this because their backs were loaded with gifts as they plundered the Egyptians. Can you say amen? Now, before you feel so bad for the Egyptians, keep in mind, as I already mentioned, that the children of Israel had been enslaved for 400 years. How many of you know that means those children of Israel had been owed some back pay? And whenever God sets you free, he doesn't just send you out impoverished. He, re he repays all that the enemy stole from you. So God sent the children of Israel out with all of that back pay from 400 years of slavery with compounded interest. He gave it all to them in one day. I remember we used to sing this song back in the, in the old days. I went to the enemy's camp. Remember that? And I took back what he stole from me. I want you to know something in Jesus' name, that God is going to make the devil pay for everything that he stole from you. He's not just going to give it back. He's going to give it back with interest in Jesus' name. It's going to be pressed down. It's going to be shaken together. Everything he stole from your family, everything that he stole from your children, everything that he took from your business, from your bank account, from your health, from your finances, it's coming back to you with interest in Jesus' name. They plundered the Egyptians. I believe it's God's will that the church of Jesus Christ plunders the camp of the enemy. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. And I tell you, if this great end time harvest is going to be reaped, it's going to require a great end time offering. 
a great end time harvest of resources. The church is going to volunteer freely in the day of his power as we've never seen before in history. You know, God could have snuck the, the, the children of Israel out of Egypt in the middle of the night. It could have been one of these deals where the Egyptians woke up the next morning and looked around and all the children of Israel were gone. And they started asking, where did these Israelites go? We need our lawn mowed. God could have done this under the radar, but instead he decided to deliver Israel in such a way that they walked out of Egypt in a triumphal procession with the wealth of Egypt on their shoulders, singing praises to God, making a mockery of their captors and glorifying the God of Israel above the gods of Egypt. That's the kind of deliverance that God wants to bring. So they plundered the Egyptians. Say they plundered the Egyptians. I keep repeating that because it's, it's so powerful. I told Russ, I think I could preach a whole sermon just on that one phrase. So they plundered the Egyptians. But I want you to think about this. Imagine the children of Israel carrying all of that loot, okay, out of Egypt. And it was great on the day that they got it. I mean, it was, you ever got something, something brand new, like a new, you know, I don't know what's cool nowadays. It was a PS5 or something. Everybody that knows what knows about this stuff is laughing because I have no idea what I'm talking about. Some, you got a new big screen TV. Now that's great when you get it on Christmas, but imagine if you had to carry that from Best Buy and you had to carry it around for, for the next six months. You know, the day, on day one, they get all this loot and they go out and on day two, they walk across the dried up Red Sea. And then on day three, they're out in the wilderness carrying all this stuff. On day four, they're still carrying all this stuff. On day five, they're still carrying all this stuff. I wonder how long it took for the children of Israel to start saying, man, what in the world were we thinking? Why did we take all this stuff? Why do I need all of this gold? You can't buy anything in the wilderness. There's no shops, there's no, there's no supermarket, there's no mall, there's nothing out there. And yet every day they're just carrying this stuff from place to place. And I don't, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. If you've got kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've been to Disney World, you know, the first few hours, it's all fun and games. But somewhere around three o'clock in the afternoon, your kids who have been enjoying themselves all day long suddenly get this idea that now you are supposed to carry them around the rest of the day. And there you are, you paid for their ticket and now you're carrying them while they sleep and you don't even wanna be there. And I don't care how precious the cargo, you carry snotty kids around in the Florida sun for a few hours and you will be questioning every life decision that brought you to that moment. And at some point, you can imagine the children of Israel wondering to themselves, why did we take all this stuff in the first place? What in the world was I thinking? But it turned out Surprise, surprise, that the very one, the Lord who told the children of Israel to loot the Egyptians in the first place had a plan for the plunder. And his plan was not that the children of Israel would just carry that loot around from campsite to campsite in the wilderness. He had a plan to put that loot to work for the sake of his kingdom and for the abode and the habitation of his presence. Verse 35 again, from what you have, take an offering to the Lord. And suddenly the children of Israel made an amazing discovery. They had been blessed, not so they could carry the blessing around, but they had been blessed so that they could be a blessing. They had been blessed for a purpose. As amazing as the experience of being blessed was, you know, it was a great thing the day they plundered Egypt, but it was an even better experience 
to be able to have a part in the building of this incredible tabernacle. And maybe you're here this morning and you, you have made really good money in business. Maybe you've done well with investments. Maybe you have a great career and you have accomplished some great things in your life. I want you to know something. There's something even better than making a killing financially. It is doing the will of God. It is being able to use your life for the sake and for the purposes of God. And I want to exhort you, don't carry all those treasures around in the wilderness until the day you die. That's not going to do anybody any, any good. Rise up and build a house, a habitation, a place for the presence of the Lord. Let me tell you something. Uh, and I say this from experience and things I've seen in the lives of other people many times. If you're carrying around what you're supposed to be giving to the Lord, it's not going to be a blessing. It's going to be a burden. Let me say that to you again. If you're carrying around what you were supposed to give to the Lord, it is not going to be a blessing to you. It is going to be a, bur a burden. Sometimes, you know, it's not always getting more and more and more is the thing. It's anybody who's made money in their life knows that this is true. It's like that very wise ancient philosopher, Biggie Smalls once said, Mo money, mo problems. Sometimes money is a blessing, but if, if you use money the wrong way or you don't use it the right way, it can go from being a blessing to being a curse. And sometimes people just get in this grind of accumulating more and more and more, almost as though they're in competition to see who can die with the most money in the bank. But how many of you know you can't take any of this stuff with you? You're just like the children of Israel walking through the, through the wilderness. You can't keep it. It doesn't belong to you. It's water flowing through your hands. Be a pipe for the blessings of the Lord. Direct it where it needs to go and let your life be lived with purpose and fulfillment in Jesus' name. I remember Evangelist Bonk used to say, when water flows through a pipe, the pipe gets wet. But the pipe needs to make sure it never comes under the delusion that the water was meant for its benefit. God blesses you to be a blessing. God loaded the children of Israel with blessings. He caused them to plunder the Egyptians. But it wasn't just so that they could personally be blessed, although they were. It was because he had a job for them to do. And maybe you're not one of those well-off people. And you, yet, I will say yet, because I'll tell you what, I believe God's plan is to prosper you. If you believe that, say amen. But you're saying, Daniel, I'm, I'm not rich this morning. I don't have a big amount of resources that I can access to. That's why I love what it says in verse 35. Moses said, from what you have, take an offering to the Lord. Everybody say, from what you have. See, you can't give to the Lord from what somebody else has. But everybody can give to the Lord from what you have. And even if you don't have very much, if there's any question about the value of your offering, just look at the story of the widow with her one little mite. Jesus looks at her and says, this one gave more than all of the others because they gave out of their abundance and she gave out of her need. Moses said in verse 35, take from what you have and give an offering to the Lord. That meant he leveled the playing field. And I'm so glad that he did because if he hadn't said that, then maybe only the wealthy ones would have given to the Lord. And you know what that means? Only the wealthy ones would have had the opportunity to participate in the building of the tabernacle of the Lord. But because he said it like this, let everyone take from what you have and give an offering to the Lord. It meant that everybody could play a part. 
and everybody could have ownership. And I'll tell you, everybody that walked into that tabernacle from that day forward could say, I helped to build this. I was a part of the purpose of God in the building of this tabernacle. And I want you to know, you, you know, Nation's Church is still very young. We're still at the beginning of this journey. But those of you that are with us here in these early days, there is something special about that. You'll be telling your children and your grandchildren, I was there and I helped to build what God did, not only in that church, but around the world. And so, verse 30, chapter 36, I'm jumping over to the next chapter now for the sake of time. In verse three, it says, the people continue to bring free will offerings morning after morning, and all the skilled workers who were doing the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough. Say more than enough. For doing the work that the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order that they sent this word through the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. He actually had to tell them, no more, we can't handle it. And so the people were restrained from bringing more. Can you imagine if there was such a radical generosity in the church that we actually had to like lock the doors? Nobody give anymore, we can't take it. Verse seven, because what they already had was more than enough. Say it again, more than enough to do all the work. I love the way that he uses that phrase twice, more than enough, more than enough, as if to draw attention to it. And I believe with all my heart that God's desire for us as his children is not to live lives of just getting by. It's, it's his desire that we would live lives that are characterized by this reality, more than enough. Not just financially, by the way. It's more than enough in every area of our lives because we are living lives in obedience to his word. And as we obey him and as we follow him and as we do what he tells us to do, there is a blessing that accompanies us. And there's more than enough time. There's more than enough resources. There's more than enough creativity. There's more than enough love. There's more than enough forgiveness. There's more than enough generosity. There's more than enough room in every area of our lives. Come on, somebody say, I want more than enough. Not for your sake, right? It's so that we can be a blessing. Hallelujah. And so what an amazing scene. The Israelites bringing their offerings. The Bible says morning after morning. Every morning there's an offering bigger than the morning before. And it just keeps growing. And I want you to imagine this is not just people bringing a bunch of junk and throwing it into big piles. These are people bringing priceless treasures. And they're laying them in the hands of the priests or in the hands of Moses or in the hands of the Levites. And, and when they do it, they're not just giving it to a man. They are giving it as unto the Lord. This is an act of worship for the sake of building a place where the presence of God can rest. I think this is such a beautiful picture of worship. I've said so many times that very often in the evangelical church, we think of worship. When we think of the word worship, we think of music. We think of singing. And we even talk about the sacrifice of praise and sacrificial worship. And some people think what that means is we just sing until our throats bleed. Because the only context that they have for worship is singing. So how do you sing sacrificially? Ah! No, listen, worship is not just music. Worship is the offering of our entire lives. And our resources are one component of our lives that are intended to be lived worshipfully. Let me tell you something. You cannot worship God 
without giving of your resources. You can't do it. It would be like saying that you could get married without spending any money on your wife. And all you guys know that is not true. And so, part of our lives, listen, what, I want you to think about this. What is money at the end of the day? What is money? It is a worthless piece of paper that is only valuable because it represents time, effort, work, ingenuity, intelligence, creativity. That's why it's valuable. It is a symbolic representation of who you are and the substance and the, and the effort that you have made. And so when you give to the Lord, like this morning, we're going to take this offering and many of you are going to bring those, those pieces of paper. We'll talk about it in a moment. And you're going to put them in the, these baskets. What you're doing is you're putting, some of you are going to put weeks in the basket. If you're, if you're paid by the hour, you're going to put hours in the basket. If, if you made money on some great investment, you're saying, Lord, I'm taking this creativity that you gave me, this investment, and I'm putting that in the basket. It's an offering of yourself, and it's worship, and it's beautiful, and the Lord receives it just like he receives your prayers, your praise, and your adoration. That's what worship is like. Can you say amen? amen. That's what they did. That's what the children of Israel did. They brought those gifts to the tabernacle until there was more than enough.